0: If you have a Bible, I invite you to open to the book of 1 Corinthians. We've started a new series through this book. This is a letter, like much of the New Testament is, uh, written by the Apostle Paul to a church, to a group of people just a lot like us, mm-hmm. believers in Jesus and Others who would come and be a part of what was going on there, hearing the good news of Jesus and so on. And and, um, they're in a place called Corinth, a city in what is now modern-day Greece. Corinth is the place, Corinthians are the people. And the main reason that Paul has written this letter, the main reason he wrote to them is because they as a church had gotten off track with God in a very, very big way. Did you know that can happen? Did you know that churches can go off the rails and, and believe, start believing things that aren't true? Start teaching things that aren't true? That the people of the church can start doing things that are contrary to the ways of Christ? That was true of the Corinthians on a number of issues that we'll be seeing as we as we go along. But I believe the root issue, the, the main thing Paul is addressing here, the bottom line reason why they had gotten so confused about so many things is that they were not being careful to follow the teachings of Jesus and his apostles, his hand picked messengers communicators of his word. The Corinthians were elevating their wisdom, human wisdom, above God's wisdom. In the words of Proverbs 3.5, they were leaning on their own understanding instead of trusting the Lord with all their hearts. Or to put it in the words of our series title, they had fallen into the trap of a do-it-yourself spirituality. And when you do that, when you rely on your own understanding, your own wisdom to decide what's really important, when you make yourself the ultimate authority of what is truly good, what is truly Christian, When you define for yourself what your life should be, what it should look like, it is inevitable that you will mess it up. And you will create all kinds of problems, heart-wrenching problems, not only for yourself, but for the others in your life that are totally unnecessary. And worse of all, you will bring dishonor if you are a professing believer in Jesus, you will bring dishonor to his name. So the, the stakes are high here. We want to avoid a do-it-yourself spirituality. But the good news is, that's why God gave us this letter. So uh, he has graciously given us the instruction we need so we don't fall into that trap, the trap we want to avoid. And if we will listen to him, if we will listen to him, and if we will trust him, and do what he says, we will avoid that DIY spirituality trap. So we wanna learn from what is in effect a really bad example. The example of the the Corinthian Christians and their do-it-yourself spirituality. Uh, You might think of it this way. If you think of do-it-yourself spirituality as a disease, we're gonna be looking for various symptoms of that disease so that we can avoid catching it. So here's the first symptom and it comes, we see it in verses 10 through 17 of chapter one. That's where we will start. And I'll describe it this way. Symptom number one of a DIY spirituality is looking for, Looking for your deepest significance in something other than Christ. Looking for your deepest significance in something other than Christ. What is it that gives your life, as you think about your life, what is it that gives you and your life ultimate meaning, ultimate significance, ultimate worth? What makes your life worth living to you? All of us, all of us long to know that our lives matter, that we matter, that we have significance, that it actually makes a difference, that we exist. And the reason we long to know that is because God built that thirst into us. He created that thirst for significance. The problem is, we we tend to try to satisfy that thirst with with somebody or something other than God himself. Apart from who he is and how he has made himself known in Jesus. And when we do that, when we try to satisfy that thirst in in something other than Christ, we, we fall into the DIY trap. So I want to look at how this showed itself among the Corinthians. So we're in chapter 1, beginning at verse 10. Paul says this, I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And just as an aside, Paul could make make no stronger appeal. This is as strong as it gets. I appeal to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that all of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this one of you says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, and another, I follow Cephas. That's the Apostle Peter. Still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I'm thankful that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius, so no one could say that you were baptized in my name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanas. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom. It's gonna be a big theme not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. If you're a parent and your kid comes to you and they complain of not feeling well and they have a fever and then you look at them and they're they're scratching and you find they're covered with itchy red bumps, those are telltale signs of chickenpox. Well, just as there are telltale signs of chickenpox, there are telltale signs here that the Corinthians were looking for their significance in something other than Christ. The first telltale sign is a lack of unity. A lack of unity. They were not unified as Jesus wanted them to be. They were divided. They were squabbling They were arguing among themselves. And you can pretty much take it to the bank. When a church lacks unity, inevitably what that means is that the church is not keeping the main thing the main thing. If we are not united by an allegiance to Jesus, loving him, Seeking his will. Doing what he wants. Making him known. Worshipping him. Bringing glory to him. If we don't make that, if we don't make him the main thing, then we will let our differences, because we have lots and lots of differences, we will let those differences divide us. All those differences that Christians have, we have differences of culture, we have differences in politics, differences in interests, different tastes and things. And if we don't, above all all that, have an allegiance to Jesus, then those differences inevitably divide us. And that is a big problem. And it's a much bigger problem than most Americans tend to think. It's easy for us to think lack of unity, what's the big deal? Well, let's look. Look at John 17. John chapter 17, verses 20 through 23. Jesus here is praying for his followers, his disciples. And look what he says. Begin verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. Okay, so he's not just praying for those who were his disciples at that time. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's you and me. That's every other person on the planet who's become a believer in Jesus. Look what he says, that all of them may be one, that they may all be unified, just as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you. May they also be in us, so the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them, you in me, may they be brought to complete unity. Why? To let the world know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. My goodness, do you see all the big things that are at stake here? In followers of Jesus being unified? It is amazing. Why does Jesus want us to be unified as a church? Because we represent him to the world. We're supposed to help people understand that the Father and Jesus are one. Our unity is meant to be a reflection of God's unity and a reflection of his amazing sacrificial love in Christ. But when we lose sight of that, then we start arguing about the dumbest things. And then people look at us and have a really hard time seeing God. So a lack of unity is a telltale sign that we've lost sight of the main thing and we've gotten preoccupied with other things, trying to find significance in other issues. Second telltale sign is making too much of people, particularly leaders, making too much of people. Treating certain people as if they're celebrities. Celebrity, the whole thing is just so weird. You know, you you go to the grocery store and you got all the magazines with all these celebrities as if what they say about everything and what they think about everything and what they're doing as as, as if any of that is a super big deal. And if I know about it and if I'm into it, that makes me more important. That gives me a sense of significance. And it's not just Hollywood and sports It's Christian leaders. As if knowing somebody somehow, if they're important, that makes you important because you know them. That gives your life greater meaning. And here Paul says the Corinthians were aligning themselves with certain leaders himself, Apollos, Cephas, that's Peter. He also mentions Christ. I'll come back to that in a minute. But who were these guys? Well, they were prominent Christian teachers who had most likely taught in Corinth. Okay, why are the Corinthians arguing about them? Apparently, it gave them a sense of superiority to be aligned with the best teacher, in their opinion. So one guy says, well, you know, I follow Apollos, because he is an amazing preacher. That guy is so eloquent. He makes the apostle Paul sound like a total amateur. And the guy says, oh yeah? Well, how many churches has Apollos planted? How many people has Apollos led to Christ? Paul has planted way more churches, led more people to Christ than Apollos ever did. I follow Paul. And the guy says, you guys are both wrong. Peter, he's the man. Jesus called him the rock. And he was there when Jesus did all his miracles, Paul and Apollos weren't. And he was there when Jesus did all his teaching, Paul and Apollos weren't. So I follow Peter. And they're playing this game of spiritual one-upmanship. Oh yeah, this. Oh yeah, this. Oh yeah, this. And they're comparing themselves. Look what they're doing. They're comparing themselves to each other by who's got the best taste in preachers or teachers or leaders and then there's this last guy he says i follow christ now think about it isn't that what paul would want them to say wouldn't he want everybody to say i follow christ yeah he would if that's what the guy meant but see here's the thing he wasn't humbly pleading he's like no hey come on guys stop this we need to follow christ humbly pleading with them to follow that's not what he's doing He was trying to make himself look spiritually superior to them. Well, I follow Christ, (laughs) unlike you foolish slobs. (laughs) Is that what following Christ looks like? Is that what following Christ sounds like? Jesus calls us to humility. Do you know what humble people don't do? They don't compare themselves to others to see who's best. They don't look for their significance by being better than other people. Don't make too much of people. Don't look to mere human beings to give you a sense of importance to validate yourself. How would you know if you're doing that? Well, a big tip-off is if you're comparing yourself to other people. Comparing yourself to others to make yourself feel better about yourself or if you think your favorite teacher or your church is way better than others and somehow that makes you better or you're more interested <laughs> you're more interested in what some famous teacher says about the Bible than you are about the Bible itself about God's word itself or you're more excited about somebody's ministry than you are about knowing Christ Christ Karen was telling me about a conversation she had with a woman who was super enthusiastic about her pastor, a certain pastor. It wasn't me. And, <laughs> and in this conversation, this woman just went on and on and on about how great this guy was and how about great the church was and about his teaching and his ministry and his methods and his this and his that. And through the whole conversation, never once did she mention Jesus It's as if she was finding her spiritual significance, her sense of spiritual well-being and just being connected to this celebrity. Don't make too much of people. You're looking for significance in the wrong place. And the third telltale sign is making too much of spiritual heritage, spiritual background, spiritual credentials, spiritual resume, whatever you want to say. Paul brings up the issue of baptism here. Apparently, because some of the people were bragging about who baptized them. I was baptized by Paul. I was baptized by John. I was baptized by Peter. As if, as if getting baptized by a celebrity Christian means more, makes you more important, gives you greater spiritual status than just being baptized by a Joe ordinary Christian. Now, the point Paul is making is not that baptism doesn't matter, not that it's not important. We could look at place after place where Paul's very clear that he expects every believer in Jesus to be baptized. Why? Because Jesus told us to do that. But the point of baptism is expressing faith in Jesus. Jesus is the focus. Baptism is about trusting him. Baptism is about believing in Him. Baptism is about obeying Him. That's what matters. Not where you were baptized. I was baptized in the Jordan River? Or who baptized you? Paul says Christ sent him to preach the gospel, the good news about Jesus. Not to baptize. Why? Is that because baptism doesn't matter? No, it's because the gospel is primary. The gospel's first. The gospel's foundation. The gospel is fundamental. You can't be baptized as Jesus intends until you understand and believe the gospel. Baptism is a response to the gospel. It's not the gospel itself. It's through the gospel that we learn who Jesus is and why he came. And the significance of his cross, the, de- the death he died to rescue us. And it's through the gospel that we are invited to put our trust in him. Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. The water of baptism doesn't save. Jesus saves. And we encounter him through the gospel. So if you just find yourself, you know, feeling better about yourself because of where you were baptized or who baptized you or when you were baptized or some other thing, like it's a really big deal, it gives you a higher spiritual status You're making too much of it. And baptism is just one form of spiritual heritage that we can make too much of. There's so many other things, you know. It's like uh, we take an unhealthy pride in. What church we grew up in, what denomination we're connected with, what translation of the Bible we like, what worship music we prefer, the books we read, which, you know... Who's your favorite preacher? Which theological views we hold on secondary issues? You know, well, are you pre-trib? Are you post-trib? Are you mid-trib? Are you pre-wrath rapture? What are you? <laughs> and again, it's not that any of those things are unimportant. But by and large, those things that we can get so proud about are either things we had no control over just a matter of our history, or they're a matter of personal preference or personal conviction. And when we look to those things to give us some sense of spiritual superiority over others, though who disagree with us or have a different spiritual heritage, and we consider ourselves to inhabit, you know, just a little bit higher spiritual plane than those poor deluded souls. Well, we're the deluded souls. And we're looking for significance where it cannot be found. It can't be found there. Paul's final words here are a sober warning to us. He says, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power or made vain. When we get so excited and and." Comparative and preoccupied with anything other than Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We're looking for significance in the wrong place. It is Christ crucified for us where we find our true value, where we find our true significance. It is, it is in Christ that we find our true identity, it is in Christ that we find our true purpose. Tim Keller said this, everybody has got to live for something. Everybody has got to live for something. But if that thing is not Jesus, it will fail you. It will fail you. You will never find a significance big enough to live for, big enough to die for anywhere else but in Christ. You think about it. The message of the cross The message of the cross is utterly humiliating. (laughs) It basically says, you're so unacceptable to God in and of yourself that Christ had to die. God had to become man and die to make you acceptable to him. You talk about utterly humiliating. And it's utterly exalting because it says Jesus wanted to do that for you because he wanted you. He wants you. The cross tells us that we are far worse than we ever imagined, and we are far more valuable than we ever dreamed. And if you find your deepest significance in Christ, crucified for you, he will never, ever let you down. Find your significance in him. Let's pray. Let me just give you a moment. Think about some of the things we've looked at and just ask yourself, have you gotten caught up in comparing yourself to other people, comparing you know, who you're aligned with, what your preferences are, what your heritage is, anything, anything other than Christ, to find your sense of value, to find your sense of worth, to find your purpose, to find your identity. I'm just going to invite you to turn from whatever those things are and say to Jesus, Lord, may it be in you alone that I find my true significance, my true value, my true meaning. And Lord, keep me from looking for worth somewhere else. Help me not compare myself to others. Either making myself feel better about myself or making myself feel worse about myself because of what other people, who they are and what they've done and what they're doing compared to what I'm doing, Lord, can we just just stop it? And will you unify us? Will you make us one in Jesus? May Jesus be our main thing always. What he thinks, what he says, what he wants, what he commands. So that when people see us, they get a glimpse of who you are. And it's really attractive. Lord, will you do that in us? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.